Thanks to Harry's for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. This holiday, give Harry's and give handsome. Get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping. To get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last, go to harrys.com slash fool right now. It's Thursday, December 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Ron Gross from Motley Fool Total Income and Jason Moser from Million Dollar Portfolio. Guys, welcome. Hey, hey, Mac. Guys, it is an exciting day. We've got a big, <laughs> big deal. Of course, I'm talking Disney. You ready to talk some Disney? We were like hoping for this last night. We're thinking, just please, please, announce this. please. Like, this would be so much fun to cover. Well, it came through. So on today's show, all Disney, all the time. Disney is buying most of 21st Century Fox's entertainment assets for 52.4 billion in stock. Jason, that sounds like a lot. Those assets include Fox's movie studios, U.S. cable networks like National Geographic and FX, international networks like Star TV and Sky, and a controlling stake in Hulu. Disney also gets brands like the X-Men, Avatar, and The Simpsons. Bam. I think it's worth you know fifty two point four billion just for the Simpsons. I mean, you tack Family Guy on there for free now, oh, right? Oh my gosh! I, I heard that Marge is the new Disney princess. I <laughs> yes. heard somebody talk about oh. that. <laughs> what about Lois? <laughs> so, Jason, what about the deal? We're all shareholders here. I should add, we're all Disney shareholders, so we all have some skin in the game here. Do you like the deal? Uh, on the whole, yes, I do. I Uh-oh. think generally hesitation. speaking, no, nah, no Such hesitation. I mean, let's always. There's always, always. Uh, you know, there's there's reason to look at both sides of the coin there, but I think when we look at this thing in total, yes, I think it's it's a good deal. I mean, generally speaking, I I, I want to look at at leadership's language and understand what exactly they're trying to do with all of this. And so when you go through going through the transcript this morning for the for the call, I mean, everything Bob Iger is doing for this company at this point centers around building a long lasting direct to consumer relationship. That's not something they've really built this business on to this point, right? But given where technology and the internet is taking us, it's really about direct to consumer at this point. That's his north star and that's really why this deal is happening. This deal is going to facilitate him getting things into that direction. I would say for the last year, I've been fatiguing a little bit on the Disney investment. I've owned I've owned the stock. My daughter has for 15 years, and it's been a great investment. But we've seen ESPN kind of go downhill from a profitability perspective, and then we saw them announce that they were going to do a sports streaming service, and I was kind of getting a little bit iffy here. And you know what? Now I'm back, baby. <laughs> I I like this. I think Netflix should get a little bit nervous. I think the content is there. The technology is there. The management team is there. Um, this is a fair price to pay for these assets. And I think the future for Disney looks bright. Man, a resident skeptic on board. You gotta love it, huh? Let's talk a bit more about the streaming piece of this because um, this morning um, Bob Iger did say that Disney will sell three different types of streaming services: a family-friendly movie and TV subscription, a sports streaming platform, and a more adult-focused Hulu service. So, what do you think of that plan, Jason? Well, I like it. I mean, I think that look at Hulu for example, and this is going to give Disney controlling interest in Hulu, which I think is very important, especially when you look at how um, Hulu is building out their live TV offering. Essentially, we've been talking about this uh, these last five years, sort of the unbundling of the media space, right? Everything is kind of being unbundled, and it's going to just a la carte apps. 
And at some point or another, the concern was, we're going to reach a point in time where, in order for you to get everything that you want to watch, you're going to have to pay for a lot of different apps. And eventually, that cost is going to come to parity with what you were paying for that bundle back in the day. And I think the big advantage that we have today versus back then when we're so reliant on the cable providers is that the customer service aspect of over-the-top offerings is is superior in virtually every way. And you're not beholden to a cable box, which I think is just one of the worst things you can ever do is actually get one of those cable boxes in your house because then you're just stuck. Rather get a smart TV or an Amazon Fire TV or an Apple TV or something, and you can kind of go whichever direction you want. But it's it's now instead of unbundling, it's just trying to figure out how to make that bundle better, right? Instead of unbundling, hey, let's make the bundle better. And how do you do that? You give people the channels that they want to watch, and you give it to them at a at a you know compelling price. And so we were talking about. Iger wanting to create that direct consumer relationship, and he's doing that in three ways. He's creating exceptional and creative content, growing their global presence, and then uh, continuing to innovate on the technology side. And this deal really does help fire in on all three of those points there, because as we know, uh, Disney also uh, has the controlling stake in BamTech, which is the infrastructure uh, for a lot of that sports streaming that's going on today. I think it'll be important to see what happens with Comcast's 30% stake um, in Hulu. There's some restrictions that expire in September 2018 um, that kind of ties the hands of anyone that may, wants to make any structural changes to Hulu. So once that expires, and the fact that Disney has the majority uh, ownership there and could even uh, increase that if, if they could somehow get hold of Comcast's stake, then they can go ahead and really start to. Um, as you said, make changes to it. Maybe change the target audience. Make it more adult themes. It sounds weird when we say adult themed. It's not. <laughs> it, you know, does. It, it does. It's not really. Oh, either, you know, I hope everyone knows what we mean yes. when we say adult themes. It's a family friendly um, show. But it will be interesting to see what happens with that Comcast piece. It's actually going to be interesting to see what Comcast has to say about any of this. Um, you know, this is not necessarily a done deal. There's going to be a lot of uh, scrutiny here from a Department of Justice antitrust perspective. It's going to be interesting to see if there are any competing bids. Um, I tend to think this will get through, but it might get through with some, you know, changes that Department of Justice requires. Um, but th- that will be interesting to see. I think we should focus here on the sports segment a little bit more. I, um, I, I saw one quote that I really found intriguing that said, "This isn't an entertainment deal; it's a sports deal," and that that's very, very interesting. As as we know, ESPN has really been the profit center of Disney for quite some time, but over over the last year or so, that has waned. Um, as part of this deal. Uh, Disney will acquire all of Fox Sports' regional networks. So that's increased content in NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, the Big Ten network. Um, that increases ESPN's potential um, offerings, their content that they can offer. And I think it bolsters that business. Not to mention the international piece, right, Jason? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be plenty of international presence they gain from this one. That Sky deal is actually cut between uh, 21st Century. Um, and I think that's going to that's going to be something that that is sealed right before this acquisition uh, ends up closing. But that's going to be 23 million households uh, in in European markets uh, primarily that they don't have today. And then you look at also Star India, and that's going to be around 700 720 million viewers that they currently don't have today. So there's a lot of opportunity to get content out to a whole world that really hasn't had exposure uh, to what you've had to offer uh, to, to, to this point. And so I think. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they attack this 
the the presentation, the distribution of this, and you know, with ESPN, I mean, there's no question that ESPN has been been facing challenges. I mean, ESPN is a model that for a long time was was really the owner of its market, and and as that kind of goes on over the course of 20 years, you sort of get this bloated cost structure, and everybody's feeling really happy about things until until there are signs that maybe your business is is undergoing some some disruption there. And so I think it's one thing to look at ESPN and Disney's sports uh, side of the business and say, oh, it's in trouble, it's dead. It's another thing entirely to say, wait a minute, this is a business that's had a lot of success to this point. It's undergoing some challenges. It's under it's undergoing sort of some disruptive forces. They still have the opportunity to to change with the times and make it better. So I do think, I mean, to Ron's point about getting those regional sports networks, I think in the near term it's very easy to be critical and say, listen, that's that's gonna be really difficult content for them to distribute in any meaningful fashion. And yes, it may well be, but Let's not think about today. Let's think about ten years from now when all of these deals start expiring and these leagues have to start cutting new deals to distribute all that content. Well, the property that owns most of these networks, whether they're regional or national, is going to have a little bit of a hand up there in being able to sort of dictate those new negotiations. And and let's not forget too that sports in general, sports viewing in general. Is undergoing some challenges itself. I mean, when we look at the younger generations coming in from 2000 and 2015, the median age of these viewers it's getting older, and so these 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 leagues are going to have to figure out new ways to distribute this content in more enjoyable and digestible fashion. So this is this is a step in that direction. Now, what Disney really needs to do is nail it on the mobile side because that's something that they haven't yet fully addressed, and so we're going to need to see a little bit more about that before uh, I can be convinced that, that they've got this figured out. Well, I want to talk. Winners and losers here in a minute, and I want to circle back to Netflix because Ron, you mentioned them earlier. Um, but before we continue the conversation, I want to say thanks again to Harry's for supporting today's episode of Market Foolery. Jason, we we're talking before the show. Harry's, it's such a great shave. Well, and you were mentioning uh, just the handsome factor there, right? I mean, coming in from a, a clean shave this morning, I tell you, Harry's, that was probably one of the best moves I made of 2017. Was getting on that. Uh, Getting on that subscription because you do it just, look well groomed, well, you know. And I mean, my wife said the same thing. And at forty-five <laughs> years old, you take what you can get, you know. <laughs> and guys, I don't know about you, but it can be so tough to find the right gift at the holidays. You want to find something that's both thoughtful but also useful and practical. Well, this holiday, Harry's is offering custom and limited edition shaving sets that make perfect gifts. Sets come with German-engineered five-blade cartridges that provide a close comfortable shave, like the one you're talking about, Jason. And you also get foaming shave gel that smells amazing. Chris Hill loves that gel. Oh, it's oh, so great. Oh, I'll, I'll jump not to that. mention the aftershave it's, lotion. It's, it's just not awesome. like what you'd buy in the store. The gift sets start at just $10, so they make for great stocking stuffers. And you can also get something for yourself with Harry's while you're at it. As a special offer for fans, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your order when you go to harrys.com. This offer is only available for the holidays. So, this holiday, Give Harry's and give handsome. Get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping. To get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last, go to harrys.com slash fool right now. That's harrys.com slash fool. Okay, guys, as we wrap up our Disney discussion, let's circle back to um, the competitive landscape and what this might mean for Netflix. 
Ron, you you said you'd be worried about Netflix earlier, but not everyone is a big fan of this Disney deal. And I want to give you a quote from a Wall Street analyst. You mm-hmm. used to work on Wall Street, true? Yes. Don't hold it against uh, me. Okay. Well, I want to I want to get your reaction to this quote. This is an analyst with the Wall Street firm Cowan. He's not a big fan of the Disney Fox deal. And here's what he had to say. He said, quote, in our view, Disney is committing significant capital to the lost cause of protecting video aggregation margins. Taking on competitors who don't need to turn a profit is rarely a good idea. Interesting. So what do you think about I think everybody eventually needs to turn a profit, unless you're part of a huge company where you can kind of have a lost leader in one division because the other divisions are making up for that. I don't see Netflix as being in, in that category. Netflix does basically one thing, and eventually okay. it needs to turn a profit, or otherwise it won't continue so, to do that one so thing. So, Amazon and Google may be a bit more protected. They're not worried about this deal? Um, I think everybody should be a bit worried, because this, this is now a powerhouse company with a lot of talent behind it, including both technology, management, and content. And if you ignore that, it could be at your own peril. I don't think anybody needs to lose any immediate sleep, but it's something for sure that changes the competitive landscape. Jason? Yeah, I mean, I think only time is going to tell. I mean, we're going to look back five years from now and we're going to either say that this deal was a little bit of a stumble or that this deal was a really good one that Disney and consumers have benefited from. I think that on the surface, it's easy to say, oh, Netflix is a loser here because Disney's taking away all that content and then Netflix isn't going to have that content and they're going to have to pay more for more content. I think the taking on of competitors that don't need to turn a profit is probably a little bit myopic because, like Ron said, I mean, Netflix is really kind of a one trick pony. And I mean, I don't mean that to be an insult. I mean, it just, that's what they do. They stream video, they produce content. Whereas Disney, I mean, they do a lot of things, right? I mean, they're going to be able to really take on the movie division alone here. And, And think about that from the perspective of, Every year we look at Disney's movies, and you know that's sort of a lumpy revenue stream, right? It's very hit driven. And some years there may not be hits uh, that that outpace other hits that were that were from a year ago or whatever. But now that you bring on this 21st century movie division, you've got the opportunity really to have hits all throughout the year, and not only help grow that division of the business in a meaningful fashion, but also smooth out the results. But it doesn't stop there because they're really good at turning all of that IP into consumer products, into things that you find in using the parks. And so Disney is more than just streaming videos. I mean, there's no question they're doing this to be more competitive in this over-the-top market, but I don't think this is a shot fired directly over the bow at Netflix, either. Okay, so as we wrap up here, uh, another part of this story, Disney CEO Bob Iger staying at the company now through 2021. Hit him with a hine! Wow! The guy's had a pretty nice track record when it comes to acquisitions. Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Okay, and now maybe this is the grand slam. Maybe. Yeah, but so, so here's the question: yeah. As an investor, are we more excited about the Fox deal, or are we more excited about the fact that Iger is staying until <laughs> no, 2021? Well, I think, well, you know, they they go hand in hand. This is going to be such an integration behemoth slash nightmare that you needed him to stay. Otherwise, I would be much more concerned because this is going to be a tough one to get to get right. Um, and to, I know we hate the word synergies, but to ring the synergies <laughs> out to integrate everything properly. So I think you know. Yeah, thank goodness for for Disney shareholders that he is staying. Well, they are they are calling for two billion dollars in synergies, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's going to be something by two thousand and twenty. There are going to be cost savings here that. Uh, 
that come into play. But I mean, when you look at the mechanics of the deal, all stock, they're going to issue 515 million shares because of this. They've got a balance sheet that's going to take care of the business, regardless of the debt that they take on. I think it's interesting that they're going to buy back $10 billion in shares leading up to the deal and up to $10 billion more after the deal. So that'll bring the share account down in a fairly meaningful way. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 190 million shares or something. Um, but you know the the breakup fee uh, language. What I, I thought that was pretty fascinating because it, it ranges anywhere from like 1.5 billion uh, to either party based on the reason why why the deal doesn't consummate. But if for some reason antitrust comes in here and and, and you know puts the Heisman gives them the Heisman here yeah. tells them they can't do it, uh, Disney's going to be on the hook for two and a half billion dollars. So Iger is pretty darn confident that this is going to go through. And and like Ron, I would be very concerned if Iger wasn't there with this deal happening. So to me. He's a non-negotiable. He has to be there. And if I'm a shareholder in Disney, and, and I'm not, but my kids are, I think they got to feel really good about the fact that, that uh, succession has been postponed for a little and, while. And, and speaking of shareholders at Disney, the Murdoch family will now be, let's call it, five percent shareholders in Disney. It'll be interesting to see what role they play. Um, certainly in the integration, Rupert Murdoch will be will be important. But how about down the road in 2022? Do we see James Murdoch at the helm once it's time for Iger to retire? Um, I've seen that name thrown around. I don't know the answer, but it'll be interesting to watch. And speaking of the Murdoch family, we haven't even talked about what will now remain of 21st Century Fox. Anything there as an investor that interests you? Fox News. I mean, you probably got what half the country that would be pro the investment, and half the country that right. would be against it. So, I mean, Fox Sports One and Two are still, I think, a valuable platform. Fox Broadcasting is still valuable, and do what you will with Fox News, yeah. as you said. You know, pros and cons. I mean, news properties are valuable, but I mean, I think in the context of today's media space, you have to look at companies. I think potential winners beyond just you know Disney or or whomever. I mean, you've got. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, all of these sorts of, of sort of newfangled media media companies for the 21st century, they're going to find their place in this in this space as well. And so I think all of those names are potential winners, not only on on the Disney and the sports side, but also uh, you know when you talk about what's left with like Fox News and Fox Sports and whatnot. Okay, as we wrap up, as I say that one more time, over the next <laughs> over the next five years, does Disney? Beat the market because it's been a bit of a laggard over the last couple of years. Um, I'm going to say that I don't have high expectations for the market over the next five years. I think you know, well, you'll you'll make some money, but it won't be the returns that we've seen recently. And so, beating that market may not be as hard as one would think. And therefore, I'm going to say Disney does beat. Yeah, I tend to think uh, the same thing there, really. I think that we're going to probably run into some challenges here in the next uh, few years. And, and I think in a challenged market, this is the company that you really want to own. It's as blue chip as they come. So I think it's more you just you got to commit to owning it almost indefinitely. It's just, it's never been a bad one to hold for long periods of time. We will leave it there, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.
Let it snow. Let it snow.